Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. You're either for God or you're against God. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. You either believe in Jesus Christ or you reject Jesus Christ. And Paul says the cross is the power of God. What does it mean? Well, before I became a Christian, I was lost in my sins. When I came and acknowledged my need at the cross and God saved me, it changed my life. Now I'm right with God. Before I wasn't. How could anybody do that? There's only one person that could do that, and that was Jesus Christ. And that's why it's powerful. The Bible is clear. There isn't one human being that can claim to be without sin. We're all born with a sin nature, a sin disease. It was passed down from Adam. And because of that sin, there's separation from God. And what we'll learn today is that there's nothing we can do to cleanse ourselves of this sin. We can't cure this sin nature in our own strength. That's why Jesus came. God sent his one and only son so that we might have a way to be healed. Understand that we can't be good enough to be healed. We can't go to church, tithe, or volunteer enough. Simply put, we must be born again. That's the only way to be healed of this sin disease. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 for the conclusion of our message entitled, Peter, Satan, and the Cross. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says it right. He says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we in him might become the righteousness of God. So on this cross, Jesus took all of our sin. He exchanged it. So when I come to the cross, I can be right with God because now Jesus has paid for my penalty, for my sin. Well, when Peter heard this, that Jesus was going to the cross, how did he respond? Look at verse 32. And Peter took him, Jesus aside, and he began to rebuke him. Peter's a pretty bold guy, isn't he? And the word rebuke in the, in the Greek means to censure, to admonish, to forbid. So Peter boldly yet bluntly tries to set Jesus Christ straight. I think that's interesting. Jesus, this can't be your mission. You're wrong. But where did you come up with this crazy idea? There's no way you're going to the cross. There's no way you're going to die. Now hold your finger there and Mark. We'll be back in a minute. Turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul would speak about the cross and how people that were Jewish and how people that were Gentile would react to the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. We see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Peter and the disciples are struggling over the words of Jesus. And look what it says. Paul says, now we preach Christ, what? Crucified. That's what we're talking about this morning. A stumbling block to Jews. The cross for the Jew 
was a stumbling block. Peter and the other disciples didn't get it. Here's what happened when Peter heard that Jesus was going to walk to the cross. Watch. This is what happened. When Peter heard that, when he heard that path was leading to the cross, here's what happened to Peter. He stumbled over it. Now, he didn't physically stumble over it, but he stumbled over it in his mind. And he said this, wait a minute. The Messiah is to come. He's going to be our king over the nation of Israel. At that time, the nation of Israel was in bondage to Rome. And so the disciples and the Jewish scholars of those days said, when the Messiah comes, he's going to come, he's going to set up his kingdom, he's going to rule, he's going to set Israel free, and Rome is out of this place. And we're finally going to be the nation we should be. That was what was in their mind. So when Jesus says, I have another plan. I'm coming and going to the cross. I'm going to die. Die? You're supposed to be our king. What do you mean you're going to die? You mean we're going to be left under the bondage of Rome? Yes. What Jesus was saying is, it is true. God is coming. Jesus is coming to set up a kingdom that's going to be perfect. He's going to be the king. This world is going to be changed, but it's after the tribulation. They just got their timing wrong. There was a step in between here, and they missed it. And Jesus was saying to them, as one writer says so neatly, Jesus is the expected Messiah in the most unexpected way. They didn't get it. So Jesus says, yes, I am coming to establish a wonderful, peaceful, earthly kingdom, but not yet. By the way, the Jews today are still waiting for the Messiah. They still stumble over what really took place. They don't believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. Now, look back in verse 23. We see what the cross means to the Jews. How about to the Gentiles? Well, foolishness to the Gentiles. The Gentiles, the cross for the Gentiles, or we'll use there the word unbeliever, because most of us are Gentiles here today. If we're believers, it isn't foolishness to us. But to the people in Corinth, where Paul was writing this, the only thing that mattered to them was intelligence. So they looked and they served their gods. It's interesting to me, they serve gods that can't hear, can't talk, whatever. That's supposed to be intelligent. But when you talk about a Savior who came to live on this earth and go to the cross, to them it was foolishness. So the world today thinks it's foolish. Now that's okay because it takes time sometimes for the blindness of the unbeliever to come off. Many of you thought things of Christ were unfoolish for a long time, didn't you? You didn't get them, but finally you went, oh, he is the Messiah. There is sin. I will die. So when we talk about the cross today, when we talk about sin, when we talk about hell, what kind of reaction do we get from unbelievers? Well, you get a lot of this. Hell? You don't believe in that, do you? I mean, do you really believe the Bible stuff? Do you really believe this, that I'm a sinner? I'm going to stand before... Oh, come on. That's old stuff. The Bible's changed. No, the Bible hasn't changed. The principles are the same yesterday, today, and forever. They're here. So it is foolishness to many people. Billy Graham says this. The offense or foolishness of the cross arises chiefly from the fact that the cross condemns every other way of salvation. Jesus was proclaiming that there is only one road, one way, one gate to the kingdom, and all of them passed through the cross. You see, you take the cross out of Christianity, you have nothing. No power, no forgiveness, no heaven. So what's foolish to a world is this. When the world sees the cross and their eyes are really opened, the cross says, 
because Jesus died there, justice and judgment, the cross to the unbeliever should say, you're a sinner, you're guilty before God. And there is a penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death. And when you look at the cross, that's what happened. Now, people don't want to hear about sin. One of the most popular television preachers in all the world. Listen to the quote. I won't tell you who he is. I don't think that anything has been done in the name of Christ. This is a verbatim quote. And under the banner of Christianity that has proven more destructive to the human personality and hence counterproductive to the evangelistic enterprise than the unchristian, uncouth strategy of attempting to make people aware of their lost and sinful condition. From a pastor? from one of the most popular on television, that you don't want to talk about sin or any condition about people being lost because it's going to be destructive to their human personality. Hey, if we don't tell them, they're headed to hell. And this guy is going to have some explaining to do. See, we laugh at that. But when people sit in this congregation and they listen, to that, and they leave saying, I'm okay with God. They're not okay with God. Jesus said, you have to think that the cross means sin, punishment, judgment. And because of that, Jesus said when he came, everyone who does evil hates the light. and will not come into the light because their deeds might be expressed. Turn back to 1 Corinthians 1, 18, and let's see what the cross says, not only to the Jew, to the Gentile, but to the believer this morning, the Gentile being the unsaved believer. What does the cross say to me as a believer this morning? Here's what it says. Paul says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of of God. The Bible is filled with contrasts. Paul says this, there's a cross. Before I came to the cross, follow me over here, I'm what? I'm in the state of what? Perishing. With sin, without hope, without God's salvation, I'm headed permanently to separation from God hell. But if I'll come to the cross, if I'll come to the cross when I leave the other side of the cross, when I've accepted Jesus Christ into my life, now I'm in the state of what? being saved. If you look around this morning, you can look at your neighbor and you can look at the friend, person in front behind you. Everybody in the world this morning, everybody is in one of those two states. You're either in the process of perishing or the process of being saved. Notice there is no middle ground. You're either for God or you're against God. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. You either believe in Jesus Christ or you reject Jesus Christ. And Paul says the cross is the power of God. What does it mean? Well, before I became a Christian, I was lost in my sins. When I came and acknowledged my need at the cross and God saved me, it changed my life. Now I'm right with God. Before I wasn't. How could anybody do that? There's only one person that could do that, and that was Jesus Christ. 
And that's why it's powerful. And then you see Romans, Paul says about this, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation. You know, we say, well, I don't want to tell people that they're lost. Well, you want to do it with love because they are lost. Aren't you glad somebody told you that you were lost? You see, we don't go out and blast people. That's foolish. That is foolishness. But we tell them with love. So Paul says, if you're perishing, there comes a time when you will perish if you continue to refuse. Notice he says being saved. What does being saved mean? You mean I could today and not tomorrow and whatever. We're not going to get into all that. But let me tell you what being saved means. Let me give you three things. We were saved. When I came to the cross, I was saved. Saved from the penalty, which was death, of sin. Today, I'm being saved. I'm in the process of being saved. What am I being saved from? I'm being saved from the power of sin, Romans 7 and 8. How many know that we haven't got that one all down perfectly yet? Anybody sin this week? Hello? Couple? So we're being saved. I will be saved one day. When? When I get to heaven, because there's no sin. That's my only choice. Hey, that's going to be great, isn't it, when I get there? So I'm in this process, and that's what Paul says. Now turn back to the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 33. When Jesus was rebuked by Peter, what did Jesus, how did he react? Well, look at verse 33. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. So follow me, here's what happened. Peter spoke out against Jesus. But it wasn't only Peter's idea. I believe all the disciples, when Jesus shared these things, were going... So really, Jesus is saying he looks at his disciples as a group... And then he focuses on Peter and says, Peter, you were my spokesman. You're the one that said, you're not going to the cross. I know you and all the disciples believe this, so I'm rebuking your comment. And he rebuked Peter and he said, get behind me, who? Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. What is happening? I mean, when we see the picture today, we saw the disciples and Jesus in a road going to the cross. Where did Satan come in? Was Satan physically there? No, he wasn't physically there. Here's what Jesus said. Peter, the things coming out of your mind, the words that came out of your mind and then came out of your mouth, are not from you, are not godly. They're from Satan. You know, Jesus is saying this. Peter... I just gave you my word, which says I'm going to the cross. You've ignored my word. You told me, no, I'm not going to the cross. You see, the battleground for all of us is in the mind. It's against God's word. So Jesus is saying to Peter and the disciples, I rebuke that because that thought isn't from God. It comes from Satan. Peter, Satan has influenced your mind. You are saying things that aren't godly. We can do that. That's why we need to be in the Word of God. That's why Romans 12 says we need to be renewing our mind because that's through the Word of God, that's the only thing that sets me free. So Jesus is saying to Peter, your words, Peter, are not from God. They're actually from Satan. They remind me when I was in the wilderness, Peter. And Satan came to me visually then. And he says, don't go this way. You can go any other way but this way, Jesus. I'll give you all the kingdoms. You see, since Genesis 3.15, Satan knew that he was defeated, but he didn't know how. He didn't get it all. In fact, what we see here 
is Satan is trying to influence Jesus from going to the cross, trying to keep him from going to the cross. He didn't really understand the cross. He just wanted Jesus to have a different plan than God's. Later on, when Jesus goes to the cross, Satan uses another disciple to push Jesus to the cross. Because he thought, okay, if you're going to finally go there, that's cool, because I'm going to defeat you on the cross. Uh, next Sunday, we'll talk about he was wrong. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. So see, Satan is always there trying to stop us from the will of God. Peter, there is nothing that's going to keep me from going to the cross, Jesus says. That's been part of God's plan from the foundation of the world. And I'm going to fulfill it. Jesus is walking toward the cross. We're a long period away from it, but he's walking on this path toward the cross. Just picture this Jesus walking like this. Now, from this viewpoint, what we see in the scripture is really this. This is Peter. Peter goes out and gets in front of Jesus and goes like this. You're not going to the cross, Jesus. The disciples and I agree. You're not going to the cross. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me. Now, think about this. Peter is a disciple of Jesus. Peter is a follower of Jesus. Is Peter following Jesus? No, he's blocking the view of Jesus to the path. So what do we have? We have a person that's a Christian saying that they're a follower of Jesus and actually they're in front of Jesus. So Jesus says to Peter, hey, listen to my word, get behind me, get out of my way. The best you can do, Peter, is walk with me. I'm going this way. If you're my disciple, you're following me. You're not going to be in front of me going your own way. In fact, Peter, you probably ought to just get behind me and follow. Now let's bring that down to today. If you're a Christian this morning, you're a disciple. God has a great plan for your life. Jeremiah tells us his plan is perfect. It's wonderful. You young kids, you'll never find a greater plan for your life than God's. It's filled with excitement and joy. There are some crosses. There's some difficult things, but it brings great satisfaction. Satan's goal in your lives and all of our lives is to keep us from the path that God wants me to go. And here's what happened. I find people that say, well, God, here's what I like to do with my life, and here's what I'm going to do as a person here, and I'm going to marry this person over here and do this, and I'm going to date this person and do this, and here's the school I'm going to go to, and here's the business I've opened up recently, I'm going to open another one. Here this, and here's this path I'm walking, God. Hey, come on, follow me, God, would you? Come on, follow Just bless me as I do this. <laughs> but where is God in all this? He's back over there saying, hey, you missed the turn back here. I'm going this way with your life. There's another direction I'm going, and you've gone off on your own direction. Now, I'll tell you, when you go off in that own direction, you're going to get to a place that you're not going to like. It's going to be very uncomfortable. And then you're going to go, oh, God, where are you? He didn't leave you. You left him. Let me ask you a simple question. Are you following God or trying to lead him? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, acknowledge him. He's the Lord. And then, if you'll acknowledge him in how many of your ways? Mm, well, the ones that, are, that I don't care about. But in this thing, God, oh man, you know i got to have this right here. You, you just know i got to have this. No, acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will what? Direct your path. He'll direct it. 
That's the path you want to go into. And where do we find God's will? In the Word. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, I told you I'm going to the cross. That's my Word. Now you've come and tried to block me. You're ignoring my Word. Don't ignore God's Word. It's life to you. You say, well, it was in those days. That's sin then and it's not sin. No, it is not. If it was sin then, it's sin now. Do become a follower of Jesus Christ. And we see that Peter is an example Obviously, sometimes of us. Now, what happens? We know from history, the Bible tells us that Jesus finished this path that led him to the cross. He was abandoned by his disciples, his friends. He was beaten by the Romans. He was nailed to the tree, to the cross, like a common thief. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, however it was, these small ones here, probably through his wrists, this through his feet that were together, is these what hailed Jesus to the cross? Now, they would have held you and I to the cross. But what held Jesus Christ to the cross was not this, was his love for you and for me. You see, Jesus could have stepped down at any moment. And when he was nailed to the cross, you know, those guys came and said, Hey, if you're really God, save yourself, get down here. Now, would you and I pass that test? I'd have gone off and went, Get him, God. Wouldn't you? But what did Jesus do? He says, not only not get them, God, but he says, forgive them as he's bleeding. Forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. Got a long way to go as a Christian, don't we? See the forgiveness we have. Ah, this person made me mad and this person did this and I, I'm not going to forgive them of that. Really? Look what you've been forgiven this morning from God. Now, the end of the cross... What kept Jesus on the cross was his love for you and me. About three hours before he died, there was a darkness that uncovered the earth. That darkness signified sin. Because as Jesus Christ died, he was physically, obviously, in pain. But so were the other guys on the other two crosses. See, it isn't the physical pain that Jesus suffered. It is horrible. But it isn't the physical pain that Jesus suffered that caused him the difficulty. It was the spiritual pain because Jesus took upon himself my sin. And you remember my point early on? Sin always separates. Since the foundation of creation, we don't even know what that is, Jesus and the Father had been one. When Jesus took on your sin, the Father could not look on sin. And that's why Jesus said, Father, why have you abandoned me? And in that time period, Jesus suffered the most. For who? For you and for me. Then we see Jesus' last words where he says, It is finished. What does that mean? It means this, that the law was done away with if you were Jewish. The law that you could never keep, the rules and regulations that you and I could have never kept is gone. And there's forgiveness and there's grace and there's mercy. And the cross says to me this morning, as a Christian, the power of God to change my life, the grace, the mercy, the love of God. But it also says this, that Christ's sacrifice on the cross was accepted by God. And that means today, I can be right with God. The message of the cross is powerful. It's life-giving. There's no other source of true life than through Jesus. Because of His shed blood, we can be cleansed and forgiven. We can be set on the right path. 
we can be empowered to do what's right and pleasing in our Father's sight. No longer are we destined for death and destruction. Now we have an eternity with our Creator to look forward to. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll learn what it means to follow Jesus. You see, many people say the prayer of salvation and then continue to live in their old sinful lifestyles. That's not what the life of a believer should look like. Understand that when we repent, we are to turn away from our old sinful ways. And in turn, we're to follow after the ways of God. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living. And together, let's do life right.